This is episode 512 of the AWS podcast, released on March 27, 2022. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Sam here with you. Great to have you back. Another update show. Lots of cool stuff. So let's start. On to the topic of analytics. AWS Data Glue now supports cross-account Glue Data Catalog S3 access. So if you need to share data across accounts before doing any cleaning and transforming, it's a lot easier. The Amazon Managed Streaming for Apache Kafka or Amazon MSK now allows custom configuration providers for MSK Connect. So you can store secrets with providers like Amazon Secrets Manager and you don't have to store any passwords or credentials in your connector or worker configuration properties. You can use any Apache Kafka compatible config provider as part of an MSK Connect plugin and use this to get your configuration. And Amazon QuickSight now enables you to auto-refresh controls for direct query. So you can auto-refresh every 24 hours. So this gives you a more streamlined experience for QuickSight readers to use controls for the dashboards without having to do it themselves. So it means they get a nice, fresh view. Moving on to the topic of application integration, Amazon EventBridge has launched enhanced rule filtering and event transformation capabilities in the management console. So now you can improve the experience of testing and configuring event patterns, transforming events, and also setting up rules and targets. So this lets you do a whole lot of new flexible stuff in terms of how you set things up, including a new sandbox where you can validate stuff that you're working on, plus a bunch of other cool features. So if you're doing integration, Amazon EventBridge is definitely something you should look more closely at. On to the topic of business applications. The Amazon Chime SDK now supports Amazon Lex voice bots. So this is really, really useful if you want to develop conversational interfaces for calls to or from the public telephone network, and it makes it even easier to set things up using SIP for voice communication as well. And the Chime SDK also now supports Amazon Poly, which means you get access to all those really cool voices in either plain text or speech synthesis markup language. And of course, if you want to fine tune your caller experience, you can choose between the standard or the neural text to speech engine for improved speech quality. The SDK wasn't finished with their updates. They've also got support for Amazon voice focus noise reduction for phone calls. So this allows you to have a better experience in terms of sound when you're using PSTN audio calls. And it also now supports live transcription with automatic language identification as well. So this is an integration with Amazon Transcribe, which we've spoken about before, to generate a live audio transcription for use as subtitles or transcripts. And you can use the automatic language identification to detect the language spoken and generate transcriptions in that language. Onto the topic of compute. The AWS Lambda console now supports the option to share test events between developers. This is kind of cool. Now, when you're building something and if you happen to be using the console for your work, you create these test events, you can now share them across uh, other users rather than just belonging to yourself. Great for collaboration. And AWS Lambda also now has support for principal org ID in resource-based policies. And what this is, is a condition key designed to control access to AWS resources by using the AWS organizations of IAM principles. And you can now use this condition key in the function resource-based policies to require all principles accessing Lambda functions to be from an account in the organization. Additionally, When you add and remove accounts, policies that include that key should automatically include correct accounts and minimizes manual updating. 
Amazon ECS, the Elastic Container Service, now supports managing on-premises workloads running on a Windows operating system with Amazon ECS Anywhere. So if this is an operating system you need to use and manage, now you can. And ECS also now has some additional capabilities for the Update Service API. It now supports updating Elastic Load Balancers, Service Registries, Tag Propagation, and ECS Managed Tags as well. Not done with talking about Windows though, we also now have Windows support for Container D runtime on EKS, starting with Kubernetes 1.21. So Container D is a lightweight container runtime that manages the complete container lifecycle on its host system, from container image transfer to execution, as well as storage and network attachment. Customers with Windows workloads can now get similar performance, security, and stability benefits from Container D that are available to customers running Linux-based worker nodes. Happy to introduce some new EC2 instance types. The EC2 X2 IDN and X2 IEDN instances are now generally available. These are designed for memory intensive workloads and deliver improvements in performance, price performance, and cost per gigabyte of memory compared to previous generation X1 instances. These have the third generation Intel Xeon scalable processors. These are Ice Lake and give you up to 50% higher compute price performance than comparable X1 instances. The X2 IDN has a 16 to 1 ratio of memory to vCPU, and the X2 IEDN has a 32 to 1 ratio. This makes these instances a great fit for workloads such as in-memory databases and analytics, big data processing, and electronic design automation type workloads as well. Bunch of other great capabilities, including, of course, the AWS Nitro system. Always worth you checking the version of EC2 instances that you're using to make sure you're using the latest and greatest because typically they're cheaper and they run faster. And finally, Amazon EC2 adds a new AMI property to view timestamp of the latest instance launch using that AMI. One of those small quality of life enhancements that you can understand when was the last time that AMI actually got used. Onto the topic of cost management. AWS announces AWS Billing Conductor. This provides you with a customizable pricing and cost visibility for your end customers or business units. It does not impact the billing and invoicing relationship between customers and AWS. It's purely intended for customers who have specific showback and chargeback needs. So now you can logically group accounts by financial ownership, control the price these accounts see in the billing console and cost and usage report, as well as distribute credits, fees, and shared services costs. A new update for AWS Cost Anomaly Detection, it now supports integration with the AWS Chatbot. So this means you can now receive those anomaly detections in Slack and Amazon Chime through the Chatbot, which means you can action things when things go different than they shouldn't do. The great thing about cost anomaly detection is it looks for changes and things that are out of the ordinary. Some things out of the ordinary are okay, some things may not be, now you know. Onto the topic of customer engagement. Amazon Connect customer profiles now enable you to customize data aggregation in the console. So now you can bring disparate customer data from third-party applications into a unified customer profile, and you can do this with a no-code experience for how customer data from sources like Salesforce and S3 is aggregated into a profile. So you can really zip into exactly what data you need to be presenting your agents when they pull up a customer profile. So at launch, the following data sources are supported, S3, Salesforce, ServiceNow, Zendesk, and Marketo.
And Amazon Connect also now supports rich formatting in chat messages. So now you can add emphasis and you can structure your messages, which can help uh, improve comprehension. So you have options to include things like bold, italics, hyperlinks, bulleted lists, and numbered lists. Onto the topic of database. Amazon DynamoDB has increased the default service quotas to simplify the use of large numbers of tables. So we have now changed the default quota for the number of DynamoDB tables you can create and manage per AWS account and AWS region from 256 to 2,500 tables. We've also increased the number of table management operations you can perform concurrently from 50 to 500. So now you can do larger, more, and faster by doing things at scale. This means you can create hundreds of tables, track costs separately, do everything you need to do without having to put in a request until you reach that 2,500 table level. And Amazon DynamoDB also now supports the limit request option for particle operations. So it now supports limiting the number of items processed as an optional parameter in each request. So this allows you to reduce the cost and duration of each request when you know you need less than a certain number of items. So it's a bit of a, again, quality of life improvement. An update for Amazon RDS for PostgreSQL, it now supports MySQL FDW extension for Amazon Aurora, MySQL, and DynamoDB interfaces. So these are foreign data wrappers. These are libraries for PostgreSQL databases that can communicate with an external data source, abstracting the details of connecting to the data source and getting data from it. Amazon RDS for SQL Server now supports the M6i and R6i instances. These are great general purpose instance types. They're powered by third generation Intel Xeon scalable processors, all core turbo frequency of 3.5 gigahertz. Again, improved price performance over equivalent M5 and R5. So I always recommend you give it a shot and see if you get better price performance. You may be able to drop down in instance size or just get better overall performance. Onto the topic of front-end and mobile. There are two new Here Map styles for Amazon Location Service. There's Here Explore and Here Explore Truck. With Here Explore, developers have a new global map that features roads, buildings, landmarks, and water features, including a fully designed map of Japan. With the Here Explore Truck, developers can now display a global map containing truck restrictions and attributes, e.g. width, hazmat, symbolized with highlighted segments and icons on top of the Here Explore map. So you can imagine how useful this is for transportation and logistics. And I don't know about you, but I reckon in every city there's that unusually low bridge that trucks typically run into all the time. Hopefully this reduces that. Moving on to the topic of machine learning. You can now automate visual inspection of product defects at the edge with Amazon Lookout for Vision, and it is now generally available. So you can deploy your trained Amazon Lookout for Vision models to a hardware device of your choice and run inference locally without any cloud dependencies. Your trained models can be deployed on any NVIDIA Jetson Edge application or x86 compute platform running Linux with an NVIDIA GPU accelerator. And of course, you can use AWS IT Greengrass to deploy and manage your Edge-compatible customized models on your fleet of devices. Amazon Kendra has released the FSX connector to enable intelligent search on Amazon FSX for Windows File Server. Uh, if you've ever used Amazon Kendra, it's pretty cool. It's an intelligent search service powered by machine learning, and it means you can query in a more natural way. And now you can use it to index and search documents in your FSX for Windows file server system. Amazon Personalized now supports AWS CloudFormation templates. So now you can build up your deployment quickly and easily using those CloudFormation templates. You should be doing everything as code where you can. This allows you to do it for personalized. 
And finally, on this topic, Amazon Comprehend has launched entity-based sentiment analysis. Now, Amazon Comprehend is a natural language processing service that uses machine learning to uncover insights in text data. Now it offers targeted sentiment, a new API that provides a more granular sentiment insights by identifying the sentiment, positive, negative, neutral, or mixed, towards entities within text. So very useful to understand a bit more about what's going on with your data. On to the topic of management and governance, we're announcing AWS app config feature flags are generally available. Feature flagging is really cool. Let's you roll out new features safely and with more confidence. Now, AWS app config is a feature of the AWS systems manager, and this is coming out of preview and is now into general availability and it has two new features that have been added. Uh, additional capabilities for feature flagging in Lambda and tools for flag cleanup and deprecation. So for customers using feature flags in Lambda, the new Lambda extension allows you to call feature flags individually using a HTTP endpoint. And for flag cleanup and deprecation, customers can identify which flags are intended to be short-term and they can manage stale flags to be eventually deprecated. Service Catalog now supports the VPC endpoint policies in all regions. Previously, there was support for AWS Private Link in all regions. Now you can also use VPC endpoint policies as standalone IAM resource policies. Now, these do not override or replace an IAM user policy or Service Catalog specific policy, but this gives you the ability to continue to use your default full access policies, but also make more granular choices. AWS AppMesh Envoy Management Service, EMS, now supports AWS CloudTrail integration. So now you can get a history of all the API calls that are happening to your Envoy proxies that uh, are made to AppMesh to retrieve their dynamic configuration. This is useful for risk management, governance, and compliance. AWS Chatbot now has support for management of AWS resources from Slack. This is now in GA. It was in preview previously. Um, previously, you could only monitor AWS resources and get diagnostic information. Now you can run AWS CLI commands and AWS Systems Manager automation runbooks from Slack channels. So if you're the automation through Slack kind of person, you will be happy with this update. AWS Systems Manager Change Manager now supports taking actions on multiple change requests together. So this makes it easier for approvers to take bulk actions on pending change requests. So Change Manager simplifies the way you can request, approve, implement, and report on operational changes to your application configuration and infrastructure on both AWS and on-premises. Now you can select multiple change requests and take actions on them at the same time, uh, which obviously lets you get stuff done faster. And the Amazon Simple Email Service now supports AWS CloudFormation templates in multiple new regions. So this allows you to have more options in terms of customization and management, and it is available across a bunch of new regions, which I won't mention. Details in the show notes, and you can see all the resource types you have access to. On to the topic of networking and content delivery. Amazon Route 53 has launched geolocation and latency-based routing for private DNS. So this means you can now route traffic to your private hosted zone based on the location of the source query or based on the route that provides the best latency with optimal round trip time. And Amazon Route 53 Resolver DNS Firewall has significantly reduced the service cost, yet another price decrease, because this is what it's all about, making sure we pass on cost savings to customers. First, we're launching new tiered pricing effective March 1st that provides for reduced query processing fees as your query volume increases. Secondly, we're implementing internal optimizations to reduce the number of DNS queries for which you are charged. 
Now, these optimizations will not reduce the number of DNS queries that are inspected or introduce any other changes to your security posture, but you'll see cost reductions automatically reflected in your RAT53 bills going forward. Moving on to the topic of quantum technologies, Amazon Bracket has added support for OpenQASM 3.0. This is for gate-based quantum devices and simulators. So now you have the choice of using the Bracket SDK to build and run your programs as before, or directly supply equivalent OpenQASM 3.0 strings via the Bracket SDK and API. Amazon Bracket's introduction and ongoing support for OpenQASM 3.0 will continue to make it easier for you to migrate quantum programs between different development environments. Onto the topic of robotics, AWS RoboMaker now supports AWS Private Link. So now all the APIs that manage those resources can happen across your Private Link connection. Moving on to security, identity, and compliance. AWS KMS and ACM now support the latest hybrid post-quantum TLS ciphers. So this is the AWS Key Management Service and the AWS Certificate Manager. They now support hybrid post-quantum key establishment for transport layer security connections using the latest post-quantum ciphers from round three of the NIST post-quantum cryptography selection process. So these TLS configurations allow to measure the potential performance impact of PQC algorithms ahead of a formal standardization announcement, and you can also benefit from the longer-term confidentiality afforded by hybrid post-quantum TLS. Amazon Cognito has launched support for in-region integration with Amazon SES and Amazon SNS. So if you're configuring these in the same region that you have your Amazon Cognito user pool, you can more easily achieve low latency and follow best practices in regional configuration. Onto the topic of storage, AWS Backup Audit Manager has added new controls to help prove compliance of maintaining immutable backups across AWS regions and accounts. So you now have controls for cross-region copy and cross-account copy. So you can demonstrate compliance in creating logical air gap backups between AWS regions and accounts as part of your recovery strategy. You also now have control for backups protected by AWS Backup Vault Block, where you can track whether your backups are immutable via a write once read many capability as well. And finally, Amazon S3 account level block public access has now extended to light sale buckets. So now you can set those settings and have them operational across both S3 or in light sale as well. And this is really useful to make sure that you're never making anything public that you don't mean to. Remember, everything is always private first and you have to explicitly make it public. Block public access can give you a bit of a belt and braces approach to say, well, you just can't make it public even if you try to. That's all the updates I have for you this week. I hope there has been something there for you. As ever, we do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place to do it. And until next time, keep on building.